gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan Mann, we're talking about some events and a couple other things today, yeah? Yeah, so we're going to recap you going to RockCon and me going to the World Championships of Warhammer. It's like and World Championships and RockCon. <laughs> and RockCon. <laughs> so we're, we're doing those two things. And in addition to that, we're going to be uh, talking about Belthanos and just regular Sylvaneth lists. Uh, mm-hmm. That was something that both you and I were super, super, super excited about. Yes. Coming out of our last show, uh, where we talked Dawnbringers 3, and we had both mentioned a lot that there was mm. a lot of value in Balthanos in just a regular Sylvaneth list. You know, Dan, you, you asked that the both of us come up with one to two Sylvaneth lists a piece where Balthanos is, you know, included and, and really a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And then you had the added benefit of actually playing a game with, you know, what's, uh, what you put together. So you'll be yeah. talking a little bit from experience and the difference between your hypothetical versus the practical application of, you know, what you're looking at. So, yeah, that's going to be the show. So... I don't know that we've ever done like a like a tech review. No, not really. Uh, we we used to do a list at the end of every battle tome review. Yeah, but that's been a long, been a long time. time. Episode twenty six. No, it wasn't no, that no, long, no. But, but still, it's been a while. You're right. Okay, man. Then let us push on and jump right into whispers from the warp. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, what's on your hobby table these times? So I have been painting a bunch of Stormcast lately. I don't think I've sent you pictures of them. No, anything. but I saw uh, I saw them on Twitter. I saw a bunch okay. of stuff on Twitter, yeah. Sure. Or X or whatever it is now, yeah. Yeah, whatever so. they call it now. I finished up my Unit of Six Annihilator of the Grand Hammers. Yes. I got a Unit of Ten Vindictors painted. I got two of the Stormdrake Guard painted. I'm building two more Stormdrake Guard right now. I've got a Krondis built. You know, like, oh, Brendan, you're playing one of the dragon lists. Like, no. (laughs) I'm in the mood to paint some Stormcast, so so I am. Once I get these guys built, I'm going to be building my box of Beast Flayers and my Belthanos, maybe not necessarily in that order. Okay. While I built Alariel and, you know, I have ideas of how I'd want to paint her and play her, Mm. I am much more pressed to you know be able to say there are Belthanos lists that I I would like to bring to the table just because it he's that cool of a model and yes I think he's more in the range of how I be able to play it quickly mm-hmm. as opposed to sure you know, I feel like an Alaria list is going to take going to take a minute to piece together yeah I've been been doing that I got in a bunch of stuff for 
a couple of different projects from the Mini Stomp Black Friday sale. Okay. Uh, and I got, I picked up the Mega Force Stim Pack that he did, which is two hundred dollars and guarantees you six to twelve kits from the same faction that make you know up to like a thousand points of the army, basically. Wow. So like what I've done in the past historically is I would buy like a stim pack before we you know get to tournament season. Sure. And I would use those to like as the as like you know the bring a box for the donation part of things. Oh, yeah. And and that's how I would get them. So I was like, okay, well you know if I if I get an army where I want the models, cool, great, fantastic. Like I'll you know, I'll mm-hmm. use that. But if it's for an army that. I don't really want all the boxes or whatever. Then cool. I've got some. I've got some stuff that I got on discount to to bring to donations for for tournaments and stuff like that. Absolutely, so, giving back is uh, so so important. Yeah. So I I wanted the Iron Jaws, which is which is great, <laughs> and I got like I got the models that like I really wanted. Uh, too, Did you get any is, of the the big pigs and stuff? Is that what you were looking? I got at? two of them. Oh, I got cool. two big pigs. Oh wow. Yeah. So awesome. So for the two hundred bucks, I got one of the collector series. Iron Jaws models. I got the Ardboy Big Boss. I got a, one of the box yeah. of Brute Ragers. I got a box of Ardboys, the new ones, and I got two of the big pigs. Okay. And I was like, awesome. Fantastic. Right. Cool. That's so cool. Excellent. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about a game I had against our friend Kenny uh, yesterday. And in order to prepare for that, it was great motivation because I got my Belthanos box done. And I already had some extra current, a box of extra Kurnoths. So I built six sides and got them primed. My goal was to get everything at least primed uh, and built. And so I got six Kurnoth sides done. I had six Dragonflies now because I had three. I got three more from the box. And then I got Belthanos done in terms of I primed him and I primed the beetle. So that's, that was all finished in terms of models. One of the things that was a really big breakthrough for me was we've talked a lot before about these cool dragonfly wings that I'm using on my Gossamids and my arch revs, you know, and stuff. But yeah. I, so I was going to look and kind of do an assessment for my Gossamids after Dragonfall. I really hadn't pulled them out before. So I pulled all 10 of them out. I'm looking at them. And I'm going, these guys have been through some stuff. Like, they looked like they'd been in a battle. These wings were just broken and busted and pieces torn off and stuff. I'm going, okay, I finally have to come up with a solution to get these things some resilience. I just have to do that. Um, So I ordered another dozen dragonflies from this lady I've ordered from on Etsy before to to replace stuff. But I still had to find a way to, to do something with them. So I ended up trying some things, but the best solution ended up being art coat. So I took a really, okay. a really soft brush and I applied a pretty thick coat to both sides of the wings. And I'm telling you, man, I could push these wings around. I can tap them on the table. I pushed the models over just to see what would happen. And the wings were intact. Like it was, mm. it's such a neat coating and it's something I already have. I've got like three bottles of this stuff, right? So now when I take them out of the wrappers, cause she has this amazing way that she packs them, I'm just going to take it right out. I'm going to paint the wings right off the bat, get everything hardened up, and then slap them on the back of the Gossamans, take the old ones off. But it was really a cool breakthrough. And now I don't have to worry about them whenever I use them again. It may be a while. That was really cool as a hobby piece to get that 
um, figured out. But that's yeah, I was I was going to recommend dipping them in like an epoxy or whatever, mm -hmm. and you know just I probably would have tried something like that if I hadn't had a less. Uh, you know, epoxy stream. Yeah, well, yeah, because you kind of have to have some ventilation and stuff for that. And this worked out very cool, very, very cool for yeah, for it's awesome. Stuff. And uh, now that I've got those sides built and primed, I am super motivated now to get them painted like my other twelve Kurnoths. I've got my six swords and six bows, and have all those all looking the same and looking really cool. So that's that's kind of my next project, I think. Pre-orders, well. Court of Illusion is here, mm -hmm. and got the Flesh Eaters Quartz box is coming out today. It's a two-week pre-order, so uh, we'll get those on the 16th, it looks like. is the week before Christmas. Awesome. Merry Christmas from the, from, from the Cannibals of Age of Sigmar. Oh, my God. <laughs> Crazy. Games played other than Sigmar. For Brendan Men. So I finished up the Phantom Liberty DLC yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, it was it was really cool. So of course after finishing it, I dove into all of the different, you know, ways that it could play out and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like there are parts of the the way that I went that I'm really happy with and seeing the alternative, there's parts of ways that like it could have gone that I was like, oh man, like that like that'd have been really cool to see. So one of the one of the big things about the Phantom Liberty DLC, depending on who you side with, one of the ways of ending Phantom Liberty includes like major like deep space horror elements kind of thing oh. where like stuff is like jumping out at you and like they've got the music and the lighting oh, and man. I hate that. Oh, I that's... hate that so much. <laughs> I um, so like I'm I'm too far along to, you know, change the change the choice. They give you no warning that this is like how how things like are potentially going to go. Jump the tracks, man. <laughs> and like there was a couple of spots where I was like, "This is ridiculous. I hate this. Like, I <laughs> I need to put the controller down for a little bit because like I was so sick of replaying the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. Like, yep, this thing killed me again. Sweet." <laughs> So there, one of the things that it unlocks is, a, is an alternate ending to the main game, right? So, you know, for anyone who's played it before, right, the game ends in, in some sort of Siege of Arasaka Tower. There's another oh, yeah. alternate ending that going one of the directions gives you. That was pretty cool to, to see and find out. It was, it was really different. And, you know, like, it, it, was, it was cool to see the consequences of different actions play out. No different than the main game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Great. That's that's been pretty much it in terms of in terms of non Sigmar games. So I have decided to take the CPU world and put it aside for a while. And there is a game that I had and played quite a bit. It's called Mage Knight. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it. It's a board game. It's kind of a. It really plays well solo, but I think you definitely can play it as two player competitive, or you really can play it two player cooperative if you want to but okay. it's kind of you build the board as you go and it's got just some really cool elements in terms of the card play and decisions you need to make and balancing resources and prioritizing your objectives and all those kind of things it's just a really really cool game and a cool story so they have come out not recently but a while ago they came out with three add-ons for Mage Knight, and then there's like this master box now that has everything in it. 
So I ended up selling my original box and I bought this thing with a really cool insert from, of course, Etsy, of course. <laughs> Where else? <laughs> right? Yeah, Etsy account is, you know, must, be, must be on the premium version. Yeah. And so I've got an insert I'm going to build and start playing that again just to take a break from computer stuff for a while. Okay. You know, and uh, I, I know I'll enjoy it and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's really my other game stuff uh, for recently anyway. So I did get a Sigmar game in yesterday with our dear friend Kenny Law, and I drove out to Madison. We had a wonderful time. We played at Noble Knight, which you know that store. Many people know that store very well. And I really didn't understand like how much room they had to play games back there. And that's a good space. Oh my gosh! And then by the time we were like halfway through our game, there were like fifty or sixty people in there playing all these different kinds of games. It was just so cool to see so many folks at a game store at one time, not at a tournament or something, just Friday night hanging out with friends and stuff. It was very, very cool. But anyway, we played a game. He brought Stormcast, and it was really cool because he was bringing a couple of, like, really retro units. He brought a unit of six Thundercats, which, like, when was the last time you saw Thundercats, right? It's been a while. And, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, and then he brought a leader on a Thundercat. He had a unit of six Evocators. He had five Vindictors, five Liberators. He had three Castigators. He had a... Oh, what's the, what's the one that cancels spells? The, the Encantor? Encantor. And he had um, a couple of Relictors. I think that was it. a really interesting mix. No monsters, no big things or anything. And I took my Belthanos list that I'll talk about when we do our little mini list deck thing. Really good game. I learned a lot about the different units, especially Belthanos. I took a really interesting combo of, and this was the weirdest part, I did not take a war song. And I'm telling you, I really was uncomfortable with that when I first started playing the game, because like, I kept almost looking around for it. Like, did I forget something, <laughs> right? Instead of it, I ended up taking a Tree Lord Ancient and a Branch Witch for okay. my magic. And it ended up working out really well. But it was just bizarre not having a war song. And we ended up playing... That, that's been such a staple since it, you know, for since everybody, it came out. I mean, you never ever, unless it's an Ilarial list, you'd never see anybody take a Sylvaneth list without a war song. So it was kind of liberating at the same time. It was disconcerting. And it ended up being okay uh, in the end. I ended up winning just barely. We played Geomantic Pulse because it's kind of a go-to, you know, when you're trying stuff out. It's a good... A good uh, yeah, that's a good mission. Battle plan, yeah. I'll talk about it later. And again, what I learned from the list. And very close game. Very, very close game. Well, again, I'll talk about the list later. So that's it. But yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. And it was neat to try out something totally different. Okay. So events. Well, we have the January RTT here in Milwaukee. Freecon will be coming up. So I'll be driving down to Freeport for some historical gaming in January. Now, I didn't write them down last time, but you're going to tell me again about the two events that you've got kind of lined up coming up in the winter. Yeah, so uh, so there's a Brewhammer. That goes on pre-order in a couple of days. That's in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And then I've got Nashville Teams. That's in February as well, shockingly, in Nashville. Then coming up past Adepticon, actually. There's a tournament in Detroit that a bunch of uh, the Pants Mafia people that we hang out with oh, are, yes. 
are going to, and it, it's you know it's not too far for me. So I'm I'm going to take a look at maybe going to that one as well. Spring Rubicon got announced. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's. Uh, so you think you'll come up for that? We'll see. I think it's like the first weekend in May or something like that. Okay. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, then that's that's what I know about. What about the Detroit thing? Do you know when that is? Yes, that is April twentieth. Okay. Well, that might be interesting just to go to see everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, basically everybody that came up to my house for Rubicon last year is, for the most part, planning on going. Is so it, there uh, sign-ups for that or any information for it or anything yet? Yeah, it's uh, just on Best Coast Pairings. Uh, I want to say it's like High Ground Brew Sky, I think is. Okay. It's going to be like a 100-player event kind of thing. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Okay. Well, maybe. Maybe. Okay, well, that's that's a busy next six months then actually already uh, yeah i mean there's i mean you know not not necessarily going to be able to get to everything but right a lot of options yeah a lot of lot of options you know which is which is kind of funny because right now we're in that period where there's like there's no tournaments no not really <laughs> and adepticon is waking up more even because we got a request for uh doug and i for the youngblood stuff already yep uh, so i guess they're going to be putting the catalog up or something pretty soon Man, that always gets here so quick before you know it. I mean, it's the middle, you know, not the middle, beginning of December. Before we know it, it's going to be the end of February and it's going to be time. You know, it's just, oh boy. it just ends yeah. up flying by way too fast every year. But calendar's already filling up, which is awesome. That's always good. As you said, having choices is what it's about and deciding what you do and don't want to do. All right. So with that, my friend, let us move on and talk about worlds and rock. Worlds. And rock on. <laughs> Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. All right, folks, we're back. And Brendan is going to kind of take us into the world of worlds, <laughs> as it were, <laughs> and help us understand you know, what that event really was other than just the games. There was a lot going on and a lot of things he saw and experienced and want him to share that with us. And then uh, we're going to kind of alternate as we do a lot of times. So he's going to talk about his Thursday, and I'm going to talk about our Thursday, each our Fridays, each our Saturdays, each our Sundays. That's kind of the format for this. RockCon, real quickly, is in Rockford, Illinois, as I think most people are aware. It is mostly focused on historicals. There's a, some fair amount of kind of homebrew stuff that goes on. And when I say historicals, it could be anywhere from ancient Greece all the way up to like modern tank battles. There was this one picture I took of a table. It must have had 200 tank models on it. Now, obviously, they're like, you know, Legion Imperialis size, but these were modern tanks, you know, and our personnel carriers and stuff. And it was just insane to look at the board. I can't imagine what it would be like to play it. But that's really what it's about. And it's, it's just fun if you're into historicals. Uh, and the other nice thing, though, is there's also a Pathfinder event that goes on simultaneously so if you're into rpgs it is run by some really great people it calls himself lord blackthorn and if you look up rock con you'll see that there's a whole separate thing for the pathfinder in there and if you're into rpgs and you haven't tried pathfinder i would definitely recommend that sometime you think about going to rock con and just doing the pathfinder piece because it's just so well done this year was interesting they had an author who a science fiction author 
who was there selling some books. I actually bought one of the books to try to give a read at some point. But it was really cool to see that kind of a difference in vendors. And then there were a couple of vendors who were doing, you know, like preliminary sales of things. And they had some copies of games that they were trying to, you know, get people aware of and explain to them and stuff. And so a lot of different stuff going on, even though it's historicals. It's kind of deceiving in a way. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the setup for RockCon. So you arrive at Worlds. What do you see? Where, where's this and what's going on? Yeah. So we'll give, give a little backstory here. So this is the first year that Games Workshop is putting on what you know, they were calling the World Championship of Warhammer. Mm-hmm. And what that is is the qualifiers for Kill Team, Underworlds, 40K, and Age of Sigmar mm. playing it out all in one big ballroom. In order to qualify for the event, you needed to win a golden ticket at a golden ticket qualifying event. Mm-hmm. I got mine at the Kansas City Open Teams event, uh, so all of us got a ticket, and... Games Workshop doesn't... The golden ticket system is merely entry into the events. Most of the tickets that people win are completely unfunded, mm. and that's very different from you know, the finals event that they've run the previous two years, where you know, the winners of those were, um, were all completely funded. So some of them were and some of them weren't, so pretty much everybody there did have to pay their way to getting to Atlanta and their hotel and all, okay. all that stuff. But there were a number of people who this was comped by Games Workshop. That was pretty cool. So for Age of Sigmar, there was 88 people. For mm. Kill Team and Underworlds, there was something like 20-ish. Okay. And for 40K, there was 200. The other thing that was going on at Worlds, in terms of the World Championship side of things, is... The country representation. So when you when they sent us around everything, they asked you what country you wanted to represent, and there is you know a system for determining which country won worlds, mm. and they did it in such a manner where while on the Age of Sigmar side the USA was fifty percent of the field, that would be patently unfair just strictly from sure. a volume perspective. Right. So they had this. Kind of complicated system where you know you could only assign points from a number of players, but if you had less than that number of players, you could assign points from multiple players, but mm-hmm. they all had to be from different categories. So it's you know, okay. So that that's its own thing, right? So the tournament wasn't your usual tournament either, and I, and by that I mean the tournament ran Thursday through Sunday. Everybody played Thursday, Friday, and you're going to play five games across those two days. But everyone was put into four pools of 22, mm. and the top two players from each of those pools made it to the top eight cut. And it was done in such a way where even if you lost one game, you weren't out of the running to make to make it to the the top eight. Okay. But on the 40k side, the because the because there's so many people, they ran eight pools of 22. Oh yeah. And you know the only the top person got out of every every pod and then also down the hall was the 40k grand narrative and that was really cool to swing in and watch (laughs) they they put a lot of energy and effort into that and as they should it was 300 bucks a person to to get into to get into that but it was like that was a really cool setup and environment it looked like people were having a lot of fun when you're wandering around 
Thursday itself was set up as two games with four-hour rounds with an hour break between the two rounds. Wow. And um, Dice didn't hit the table until 10 a.m. And part of that was because they wanted to do an opening ceremony where everybody got their golden ticket and their qualifier coin. And they also wanted to give folks a chance who might be jet-lagged to sleep in a little bit and try to correct them, that kind of thing. The folks who came from the other side of the world, you know, got in, you know, like several days before. Um, (laughs) But a lot of like the European players came in on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, sure, you know, I could I could certainly appreciate the the desire to do that. What I brought to Worlds was I brought Flesh Eater Courts. Yes. I brought a, a list that was ran at Nova, did very well. I had gotten two practice games in and said, okay, cool. Like, you know, I... I think we can hang, you know, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to, to practice a ton. But the other thing was, is that I expected it to be a faction that very few people would be running so that I mm-hmm. could try and score points in one of the categories best in faction, which mm-hmm. would help Team USA and then also put me in a position to try and win an award. Because I had no illusions of grandeur going into this <laughs> that I was going to be prepared enough to play for something like top eight. I, sure. I didn't think that. Regardless of what I brought, I would be able to to prepare and be at that level, okay. you know, just kind of in my new situation. If I was in Milwaukee, I, you know, maybe maybe things would be different. Sure, that was the that was the way we went into it. And then the other thing was is that in your pod they would do the best to pair you against a non country mate. Oh, good. So that's, that's kind of cool. Actually, well, good I, good and bad because. Remember, the USA is fifty percent of the pool, yeah. right? You know, that's that's eleven players that are also that are from the USA, and there were just fewer European players and mm-hmm. and world's players, which on average meant that you were the the world's player just from a volume perspective were more likely going to be their very best player, mm. as opposed to, you know, on the USA side where there's eleven of you, like. <laughs> I think you get where I'm going with that. So yes. I got paired round one into Leo, who's representing Finland. Oh, he's cool. actually currently living in the United States, and he had won Nova. And Right, right. so that, that's the other thing, is as we talk about this, individual player, put in your head the single most difficult game of Age of Sigmar you've ever played in terms of quality of opponents and quality of list and mm. stakes, and every single game that whole weekend is was played at the level that I would call, you know, the, the stakes being winning a tournament, right? Okay. You know, like, no, no one's making mistakes. Yeah. You know, the margin for error is basically zero. Okay. And so, you know, KO's not a great matchup for me. He had won the double one and two and pulled off one of my nine units of horrors and my, and my ghoul king on terror guys. And I was oh, like, God. cool. Uh, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be tough to come back from. If he if he doesn't pull both of those, the the game becomes I think a lot closer. But you know he he got the firepower in the right spots and it just went that way. And so you know I I fought back to salvage some points. You know to try and because your overall world championship points. You know some of it was victory points that you scored and like there's another thing. So fighting it out to the bitter end is is always valuable to you as a player okay so you know i scored as many points as i could but he tabled me and then him and i went out to lunch because we were done like 
two hours before the round was over, sure. and then there was an hour break, so we had three hours before the next game. So him and I went out for lunch, and we had a and we had a great time and a great talk, and it was you know it was super cool to just you know just meet him and hang out and sure you know, just just enjoy that. And then you know so you come back for game two, and I play uh, Carlo, who's representing the Philippines. Oh, all uh, right. And what was really cool is that so he had won his ticket basically on a tiebreaker. So him and the guy he considered to be the best player in the Philippines both went four and one at the tournament and he had squeaked him out by like, like a battle tactic or something like that. So this was an unfunded ticket. And so the, the Philippines community pooled together money to help Carl make it to Atlanta. Oh, that's so great um, to play in this event. And that, that was really cool. He was running a, Guild of Summoners, Disciple of Zinch list with uh, Cronspine, uh, oh, which sure. is you know, kind of the archetype right now for Zinch. Okay. And all of the tables were basically set up in in such a manner where they're kind of all the same. So basically, in this mission, there's you're you're in your corners, and there's like this alleyway that came through these buildings. And I was like, okay, well, if I can feed his Cronspine into the middle, I'll swing around and you know I'll go take care of that. You basically just ignore the crown spine. So he does exactly that, and on my left, he's got some Carrick Acolyte screening unit of 10 Pink Horrors, and I juice up my Crypt Horrors. Bonus attacks, you know, I got I got Horfrost off, so they're Ren 3. Oh, wow. You know, they're like six attacks apiece. You know, they're running and charging. They're plus one to run, plus one to charge. They've got plus four to move from their spell, and I run my uh vargulf over to, you know so they're gonna get so they're they're gonna get the protection i go cool triumph turn and i pull 10 acolytes and then overkill the flayer i overkill the pink horrors and he goes well that's not i was not expecting that <laughs> like, it's like okay like cool like this is my list doing its thing the rest of my force i'd swung around to the right you know around this building i went the double into two and i just chuck them into the rest of his army. And so after the top of two, he's got the Kron spine and like two heroes left. Oh, wow. And, you know, so we, so, you know, we play out the little bit, the rest of it. And, um, and we're done super early. And so him and I grab a drink and we're walking around, we're talking and I'm just getting to know him. And, mm. you know, and we're looking at people's games and, you know, we're walking around the 40 K side and, and like, it's just, it's just really cool. Like it was, it was a really convivial atmosphere so great. You know, That's so great, man. Because one of the big fears going into the World Championship was that these were all going to be like really sweaty games. And what I mean by that is that, you know, people are going to be like, nope, you missed that. Sorry. Like, you know, you can't, yeah, can't sure. correct that. And so one of the things that Leo and I talked about during lunch was because he, he had a, a similar concern because he's used to playing in the European side of things, and he's used to playing on the U.S. side of things. And on the U.S. side, he told me that you know, like the U.S. side of players are much, 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 much more relaxed. Mm, wow. You know, so so he had asked me a question at the start of the game that I hadn't really thought too much about until he explained his thinking behind it, which I then adopted into all of my games. Which is, hey, you know, before we get started, what kind of game would you like to have? You know, mm. are you mm-hmm. are you the kind of player that's going to play really tight? Because that's fine, you know. I just, you know, are you? I was like, and a lot of people look at me and they go, like, "What do you mean?" And when Leo asked me it, I, I knew exactly what kind of player I was, what kind mm-hmm. of game I like. And so, you know, I, I tell a lot of players, like, you know, I'd ask that question, they'd look at me, you know, kind of sideways, like, like Warhammer, like, like, no, 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 no. like, <laughs> you know, I was like, 
I'm a kind of player who, you know, I play by intent. You know, if I have the movement to get somewhere and I'm telling you that I'd like to be, you know, you know, if I can get to three inches away, I'm, you know, we go to measure the charge and it's you know, 3.6. Like, hey, we, we talked about it. We agreed. But, you know, if my movement is five and I'm trying to go 26 inches away and I go, like, I intend to be three inches away. Like, uh, no, sorry, bud. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. Or the other thing is if there's something that's obvious about your army that you're going to do every turn, hey, tell me right now. Mm. So that we can, you know, so that we can we can level set that expectation. Or, hey, if you declare that you're going to do something and you're and you're doing something that is actively against that, like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you and say, hey, you know, whatever. Like, remember, you said that you wanted to do this battle tactic, and if you do this, like, you're mm. not going to get it. Across the board, all my opponents were like, I really like that. They're like, yes. Or they'll be like, no, I'm more of this kind of player. They're like, okay, well, we can adapt to that. That's so neat um, that people were willing to have that conversation before each game, other than just say, okay, let's roll the dice, let's play the game. Uh, that's that's really cool. Well, it's, it's hugely important because, you know, roughly half of my games are against people from <laughs> environments, cultures, and metas that I am not part of. Right, um, right. You know. Against the U.S. players, like it's really not much of a conversation at all, you know, because it's like, yes, that's Brendan. That's how we play, and like, I, I hear you, uh, like, right. but you know, when I, you know, when I got to game eight and I'm talking to my player from Australia, and he goes, "Oh, so you like having a fun game?" And I was like, "Yes, I like having a fun game." He goes, "Okay, we can do that," and <laughs> and so you know, I, like, okay, you know, what like do people not normally play that way? Or, you know, like I, like I can ask him these other questions like later throughout the game mm. of, you know, what, what did you mean by, you know, this, when you were kind of surprised at, at how I did this, you know, what is, what does your community look like? How do you guys approach these kinds of things? Neat. But that was, uh, that was day one for me. I was one and one. And then, uh, Nick Raverty and I were basically, you know, Nick, like him and I know a couple of other people, but like he mm. was, he was one of like my two friends that were traveling to this. Sure. So him and I went and grabbed dinner at an Irish pub that was just down the street. What was really funny is the hotel was, you know, in X spot and my hotel was like one block south <laughs> and like all of the restaurants were also like one block south. So it'd be like, Oh, where do you want to go to dinner? We'd pick there and you know, we'd get there and be like, Oh, my hotel's right there. I'll see you tomorrow. I could drink more. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No driving. So, yeah, it's great. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, but that was uh that that was my Thursday, you know, okay. one and one. I I got a win. I was thrilled to pieces about that because the the last thing anybody wants to do is to go winless at the World Championship. My other days are going to go a little bit differently. <laughs> uh, well, I have to say, so. I really enjoyed and I appreciated every time you played a game. You would send me a picture, just tell me how you did, and it was just really fun to follow along. So I appreciate you making that effort with everything else you had going on because it was. It was pretty enjoyable. It really was to kind of be there at the same time. All right. So that's your Thursday. I think we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go on to the rest of our weekends. Okay, cool. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Okay, listeners, we're back for Friday of... Uh, on the road weekend and Brendan why don't you talk to us about your second day yep so the second day was three games that are three hours a piece with an hour between rounds this day was slated to run basically eight to eight so mm. this is one of the other things about the tournament that 
I think everyone in attendance appreciated understanding the level of difficulty of, but I don't know that people appreciate it from the outside. Minimum eight games at that level is pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> yes. It's all day. My better half came with me and I told her, look, I'm going to be basically busy all day. So she basically spent the whole time with my aunt and uncle Okay. while we were in Atlanta. So coming into it, right, one and one, hoping to – so I'm not out of, you know, making it to top eight, but, you know, I'd, I'd be pretty – I'd be feeling pretty silly at that point if, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I felt like I was, I was really going to make it there. But, you know, one of my losses was to a very good player, so, you know, you know it's, 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 not, it's not over till it's over, and it ends really soon. So game three was against Mike Roush. He's also in Ohio. He's playing Visa Chaos. And our friend Nick Raverty was also playing Beast of Chaos, so I, so he said, "Hey, you know, see if you can see if you can knock him out, you know, of you know, <laughs> points here and help me help me get ahead of him." Mike actually has usually been playing a lot of uh, Bone Reapers, but he's expanded into playing uh, other armies, so he brought Beast of Chaos, and he didn't go the classic six to nine Bolgor route, which I I thought was pretty cool, and he. And so, like, it, like Beast of Chaos itself is just really techy and really precise, and he did such an incredible job of executing in that game, just giving me only bad options, just oh. the entirety of it, and having the Zangor Enlightened that are present to shut off Feeding Frenzy, right, the pylon and fight twice ability that Flesh Eater Quartz has, mm-hmm. was was huge. You know, it was, um, we had a couple of spots where it swung back and forth, but he caught a double three into four, I think it was. That and him and I both agreed that if I keep priority there, I, it doesn't guarantee that I win, but it it puts him in a really bad spot. You know, me getting the you know me losing the double there puts me in a really bad spot. So that that's not a terrible situation to be in. Where being in a spot like that where it swings where it swings back and forth, you know, kind of on a on a later priority roll is not a is not a bad spot to be in. But that that does put me at two losses, and that does put me out of potentially coming out of the out of the bracket and. You know, in the same way when I lost to Leo, you know, that's a that's a guy who won, you know, one of the largest events in the United States, right? You know, Mike is Mike is a player who, you know, regularly places well in the ITC system, you know, is sure. a regular tournament winner. Yeah, you know, so like it's like, yep, nothing nothing to feel bad about there. Like sure. you know? Oh yeah. But yeah, so that was that was uh game three. So game four I play against Giants. Uh, I play against Chris, who had won his ticket at an event in Texas. He was playing King Broad Stomp. This is a game where I got real frustrated for a number of reasons, but he had no ability to stop my spells, and I just could not cast for the life of me. Oh. My wizards, my wizards kept blowing up. Like it's, and it's just like, you know, it's it's one thing because I'm going to play a corn player later. You know, it, it's one thing when when they have the tools to to stop it, but when they don't and you know, I've got between five and six spells I can cast every turn, and I'm getting none of them. It's just like, like Ugh. those games happen, and unfortunately, right? It's you're not in a position where you can afford for those kinds of things to happen because, mm. hey, guess what? It's it's really going to cost you. And he just, and it's not to say that he wasn't without some bad dice. He he tried to throw the same building three times, and each time he rolled a one. Oh, uh, okay, just like. Hey man, maybe pick a different building. That one clearly doesn't <laughs> want to get thrown. But 
yeah, like I like you know, and and he's got roar, and he's going to be able to shut off fights twice, but only in one place. And I I was basically going to try and set it up where I created too many threats in too many different places. I couldn't get any buffs off, so I couldn't create a threat anywhere. You know that um, that ultimately meant that I couldn't remove any giants, and if you can't remove any giants, then you know that's that's game over. So, sure. and I I really felt like it was a mission that favored me uh, as Nexus Collapse. So that's six objectives stretched across the board. I mm. I felt really good about that, but you know some some things just aren't in the cards. Okay. And then the last game played against Dean Bills, who's out of the Indiana uh, kind of area, roughly. Okay. I think his brother's Indiana. I, I think Dean's East Coast. Well, in any case, Dean had won Best General at the Games Workshop Finals last year, and here I am playing him at one and three, oh. <laughs> you know, towards the bottom of the group. So, you know, uh, if that gives you any idea of the kind of caliber <laughs> of the opponent that you're dealing with. And Dean and I both sit uh. down, and, and I had I had played against Dean's team at the Kansas City Open, Regardless of what his other credentials were, I I knew he was a good player, you know, and and him and I are both kind of sitting there, you know, a, a little bit dejected. Uh, and I was like, man, Dean, I'm I'm smoked. And he goes, oh, thank God, me too. Like, oh, he's like, okay. and he's he's playing Coalesce Seraphon, which isn't great for me because you know most of my army revolves around being damaged too. But I was like, hey man, like I haven't gotten to play like an honest like get to the middle of the board punch him up game like do you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so we, we agreed as, as the battlefield generals to as much as possible, just throw our stuff off board and, you know, just punch each other to death. And that was great. Cause that's exactly what we got. And we had, a we had a bunch of like really improbable dice rolls in a, in a row, like both directions. And, and that was really cool. Like I, I hit a blizzard on, like a 17 or something like that, or, oh. you know, it was 15 or like, it, it was a lot. And he's only got one primal dice and, you know, and he throws it and he beats it, you know, cause he gets plus one from the, oh. the slot. And it's just like, Oh, and as if <laughs> I, I hit the blizzard, I pull this unit off, this freeze up this unit goes over there. And, but then like the next turn, you know, <laughs> basically the exact opposite happens. Like, you know, it's, you know, if I hit this and you know, get that and it comes over here, so that was that was really cool. We had a really tight game. I think it was like just a couple of point differential between the two of us. But I I leave the regular tournament one and four, which puts me into the into the bottom pod because the way the rest of this tournament works is if you make top eight, there's a double elimination tournament. But everyone else is going to play three games in a bracket based on their number of wins to that point. Mm-hmm. So all the one and fours are going to get tossed into a bracket. All the two and threes, all the three and twos. And all the remaining four and ones that didn't make it, you know, into into the knockout are all going to play in their own their own little group. And cool. if you can go three and zero in your bracket, you you also get a medal. That of uh, the grade of it varies based on which pool you were in. So it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll get a we'll get a fresh start at this on on Saturday morning, and you know, we'll we'll go from there. One of the things that was really cool is just kind of like while the tournament is going on, you're also kind of checking in on you know what's going to be happening in the top eight. So. Friday night, while Nick and I are out at dinner, we're getting Chinese food, and it was so good. It was it was this little hole in the wall place um, that came highly recommended, and it was it was awesome. But while we're sitting there, you know, we see the we see the top eight, you know, start to start to finalize, and we're like, yep, a lot of this makes sense. You know, just great players from you know across the world that are that are playing in it, playing really strong armies with really strong lists within them, and you know the 
the handful of surprises, right, in the in the player who ultimately won the, the techless list, you know, going into the tournament, if you had said Skaven was in top eight, I think you'd go, I don't know, but the the screaming bell list that that they brought was pretty good. Okay. So it was a good mix of players. You know, Gits, you had Osiric Bone Reapers, you had Soul Blight, you know, you had Lumineth, uh, you had Skaven. Awesome. It was, and you had, uh, you had an Ogre's list. It was pretty cool. Very good. That was the first part of the tournament done for me. And so okay. Friday is your first day of RockCon, yeah? Yeah. And RockCon is divided into Friday, it's, it's afternoon and evening, and then uh, Saturday is morning, evening, and afternoon, and then Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. So I got there in the afternoon. <clears throat> I had signed up for a World War One aerial game called Wings of Glory. I'd seen it played before. The miniatures are very, very cool. They're typically about an inch and a half to two inches wingspan, body length. They ha- they're pre-painted. They're just beautiful models. And so this was kind of a, quote, flight school thing where, you know, there wasn't any real specific objective. You were just supposed to score as many points as you could. You got 10 points for shooting down another plane. You got five points if you shared in a shoot down, which is possible. And then you got minus three points if you got shot down. So that's kind of how the scoring worked. If you got shot down, you were out for two turns and then you got to come back in on a board edge to get right back into the game. And it was really based on time. So once we hit a certain time threshold, the guy running it would stop it. And then whoever had the most points, he would calculate and everything like that. So that's kind of the overall piece of it. Really cool mechanic where you have this deck of cards and you get it's set for the whole game, but it's maybe 15 cards or so. And then you pick three of them in sequence and put them face down in your little playing card. And that's your sequence of moves for that turn. So maybe you're going to make a right turn, you're going to climb, and then you're going to turn to the left or go straight three times, whatever it is within the limitations of your cards. And it's neat because nobody knows what anybody else is doing at any time. So there can be collisions. It's rare, but there can be. Altitude uh, plays a part. There's a really neat damage mechanic where you have this deck of 75 cards. And when you get shot, and if you're at long range, you get you have to pull one damage card. If you're at short range, you gotta pull two damage cards. So let's say you pull two damage cards, you might pull, your gun is jammed, or you can't turn left because your aileron is damaged, or you might get a, so your plane has like 10 or 15 points of damage in it. Once you get to that, it's shot down, and so you might pull a three card, a two card, a five card, and you know the damage is cumulative. And you might get a thing where your plane catches on fire, so at the beginning of every turn, you have to pull another damage card. There are, out of the deck of 75 cards, there are three explosion cards, which basically means, as it sounds, you know, your engine explodes or your fuel tank explodes or something, and you're, you're gone if you pull one so, of those. So, Dan, you would say that the odds of pulling... I don't know, a bunch of them would be pretty low, right? Right. I mean, you're talking one out of 75 or three out of 75. You know, it's like a 3% chance uh, of pulling all of them, right, or something. So we're playing the game. I'm doing pretty good. Nobody's really shot anybody down yet. So I get in this position where the guy's behind me and I have to pull two cards. So, Brendan, out of 75 cards, I pulled two explosion cards. (laughs) Two out of the three. The guy who's been running this for years, he goes, I'd never seen this, ever. And I guess there's this big online, like, international community. England, this is a big game, you know. And he goes, I have to show this to my crew because nobody will believe this actually happened ever. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm glad I'm that person, right? And I sent you a picture of it. And so then I go off the board. I come back in in two turns. And I just go to work. I shot down two planes right away. 
I shared a shoot down of another plane and then a guy gets behind me and he shoots me and I catch on fire, which is still fine. I can still do okay with that. So at the beginning of the next term after I caught on fire, of course, I have to pull a damage card because I'm on fire. I pull the third freaking damage card or explosion card of the deck. <laughs> they're all gone now and they're all me. It was just, that's when you texted me like, you should be playing the lottery or something. Like, So had anyone else, so I'm just doing the math over here. So had anyone else pulled any damage cards to that point or is it just you? Oh yeah. Other people are pulling damage cards to get shot down and accumulate damage on their things. Yeah. They're, everybody's pulling damage cards. All the time, so, whenever you get shot at. So the first pull, right, because you were you were so early on, was actually a 0.018% chance that that would happen. Um, I don't know the remaining odds, because I don't know however other many cards had been pulled. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, bad. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just unbelievable. Now, the funny thing is, and I'm going to show you something, i got to reach over to my desk here to get it. So the funny thing is... I actually won the event because I had the most points. Even though I had been shot down, I shot down two planes and shared in another one. So this is my, it's really a kind of cool little trophy for an event that was like this. Yeah, here we go. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, so we got Top Gun Award for that event, which was, which was great, great fun. And uh, we had some good laughs though afterwards with that. So that was my initiation into Wings of Glory. I think I would play it again. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. And you can also obviously do this with missions where you have to do observation missions over enemy lines, or you end up, you know, Germans versus allies, or you do observation balloon shoot downs or whatever else, but very, very interesting. So the second yeah, game I played in the afternoon or in the evening was run by my friend Ike, and it was based on the Battle of Kursk. And it's, you know, regular board game with hexes and cardboard markers and stuff, counters. Sure. And it was Russians versus Germans. The Russian 11th uh, Army was, or no, the Russian 7th Army was pushing into the flank of the German 11th Panzer Division. That's the historical setup. So there were two German players, two Russian players. I was one of the Russian players. And a typical tank technology at that time, there were KV-1s, there were T-34s, which must, many people have heard of. There was one Tiger tank on the German side, and then a bunch of Panzer IVs and threes, and then they had these two self-propelled guns the Germans did on this hill. And they were out of range of all my guns, and these things were just raining hell on my tanks. They were basically self-propelled anti-tank guns, is what they ended up serving as. And by like the end of the second turn, the battlefield was just full of flaming hulks. It was just insane. We were blowing up the Germans, they were blowing up more of our tanks, of course, and we just couldn't get to these guys on the hill to shut them down. So finally we got reinforcements and we got these big like SU-122 or 152 Russian self-propelled guns. So now these things blew away those things on the hill. One of them ended up flanking the Tiger and blowing the Tiger up, but it was back and forth and back and forth. And of course, in the spirit of the day, uh, there's this little cup of chits. You know, when you get hit, you get damaged. And the same thing where you pull maybe your gun uh, jams or you're immobilized or whatever else and there's one shit out of the 25 that's explodes you know your tank explodes well you know three guesses first two don't count who pulled the explosion shit yeah. <laughs> one of my tanks went and i told these guys the story of you know my previous experience and everybody just was laughing so hard the game was very close 
in the end, we won by like two or three points, I think, against the Germans. And they the stacks of tanks that they had pulled from the board from us was just insane. It was like a three-inch stack of counters. And theirs was like an inch, you know? But again, it's quality versus quantity kind of a thing. And so that's the reason we won the game. And I guess historically, that's kind of the way it was, that the Russians just got torn up. But in the end, they ended up meeting their objective of stopping the Germans. And so very fascinating for my sister. And Ike, of course, is just this encyclopedia. So he's constantly telling us what was really happening in the battle and what this unit did. And it was really a lot of fun. It was very, very enjoyable time. So I told him I was going to get him a bunch of those little flame counter things, those three-dimensional ones you could put on maps sometimes so that he could have a bunch of those on the board to just show people how many flaming vehicles there would have been. Very, very cool day. Very enjoyable day for me on Friday. All right. So your Saturday. My Saturday. So the remaining format is um, for us four uh, four hour rounds, two games on Saturday, one game on Sunday. Um and right, so the the goal is to try and three and zero your your little bracket. And my uh, it was now my sixth game. Yes. Uh, is against a uh, corn player from the Texas area as well, and he had just this beautiful army. It was it was like wolf themed. It was really well painted. Um, he had converted mm-hmm. the the skull out the skull altar. Um, Conversion just all over the army. It was it was awesome. Okay, neat. And neat. him and I um, had um, really really different ways that we wanted to go about. You know, trying to win the game. You know, he had basically picked a group of guys to hunker down, and you know they were going to be the main base to try and score from, and I was going to try and pick off the edges and then and then break the middle, and. The situation presented itself where I was going to be able to go in and do just a bunch of damage to the Blood Warriors um, that okay. that he had kind of holding that middle. Went in there and I I got him and um, but I had won a major priority into three and I'm like okay cool I've got one horror left in each of these units I'm gonna muster some guys back and you know we're gonna be you know we're gonna we're gonna be in business and so I'm like all right heroic action you know from this guy to muster him and. And I'm hopefully going to grab two, which is, you know, about the expected average mm-hmm. from six dice. And that'll put me in range of the Vargolf, and he'll be able to throw another couple onto that unit. One. Cool. Uh, I'm going to try and, you know, <laughs> muster this other unit. One. Okay. Uh, uh, really bad. Uh, and, God. Um, and so that, that meant that my grand strategy was really at risk. Um, and he had ended up beating me at the end by scoring everything uh you know one point so if i had managed to pull together my my grand strategy from keeping one of those two units alive then then that that game's mine and that one's tough right because i i don't know that i could have played it a lot better i could have done a lot of different things um and oh and the other thing that that broke me was right at the end i had a battle tactic and the battle tactic i picked was I didn't have a lot of great ones, but it was pick a unit, kill it with a shooting attack from a unit of flayers. Okay. okay. Cool. And so I'm. he's got one guy left. He's got uh, 
three up safe. So all he's going to be able to do is all out defense. Mm-hmm. My shooting attack is Ren two. I've got I've got enough attacks. I've got points to spend on all out attack. And you know, so it's eight attacks. So it's threes and threes. And I my hit rolls are fine. My to wound roll, two wounds. He's got two four ups. Fails the first one. <sighs> makes the second one failed tech. So there were. There were avenues oh, to potentially God. have won that game, um, oh. you know, and I I don't know that I could have played that game much better, um, you know, which is which is always a little frustrating, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to lose and there, you know, to go back and do the post mortem on it and be like, ah, yeah, if I had done this or I'd done that, like there were maybe like small ifs ands or buts, but you know, so much of that would have been based on knowledge that. I would have had only as a result of, you know, having finished the game. But, um, yes, that one was tough. Then uh, game seven, um, I play uh, a man, and I, I had a hard time pronouncing him in the moment, so I'm, I'm not going to butcher it here. Um, that was representing China. He was playing a Fangs of Sotek Starborn army with Proke, a slan and a bunch of wizards in the in the towers in the tundra mission. Okay. And wow. I had played against Bangs. Had had not done it yet. Okay. And Dan the damage that Fangs can put out even with the the nerfs to what you can send through the different wizards and that kind of thing. This army is ridiculous. I, it was like he he bombed out both of my arch regents topple one okay. from across the board. You know, did a bunch of damage to my other courtiers. So now I have to figure out you know how I'm going to heal these things. Oh. And then the mission was set up in such a manner where he put his his ziggurat next to the tower building that he had to occupy, and hid them in such a way where my terrorgeist could never get them because both of those things are impassable and the terrorgeist base is too big. So I had no ability whatsoever in that game to ever potentially kill his wizards. And that drove oh my me God. nuts. But I had the ability to stand on the objectives and I, I took some points, but ultimately it got to the point where I can score no more tactics and if he just, you know, picks out one of the unit of nine to bring down, he he will. And that's exactly what happened because, you know, he'd do a bunch of damage, he'd cast a bunch of spells, and you go, okay, cool, you know, I'm gonna, you know, cleanse the realms, do another D3 mortal wounds to every unit after having already done, you know, four D3 mortal wounds to this unit or that unit, and mm-hmm. just like, it's it was oppressive. He was He was so much fun to talk to, though. Uh, he's a professor great. of economics and we we're sitting oh, there talking and, oh, God. and he's sitting there and you know, like in the first battle round, he's like, you look like someone very famous. And I was like, <laughs> I, I genuinely have no idea who you're talking about. Um, and I was like, and I, I can assure you I'm, I'm not. And you know, he, okay. And then a little bit later he goes, I figured it out. He goes, you Look like John Favreau from Iron Man. I was like, <laughs> okay, thank you. Like, <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. 
he's like, you know, you're he goes, you're a little bit chubby, but you know, your your Happy. hair is in the right places. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, there are worse people to look like, you know. Sure. The, sure. So that's pretty uh, good. He was lovely. I mean, but that was a butt kicking, and and I think the only plays I have in that game are to just sell out and you know, toss, toss everything deep and hope that the early pressure works. But even then, I, I don't think it saves me. So that was, that was a little frustrating, right? You've been in a couple of those games and there's not really much you can do. No, no, Um, no. But he had just gotten out of a game where there wasn't really anything he could do, right? He was playing no myriad bone reapers the game before. And he just got two up to death and couldn't do any damage to them. And they just came across the board and they went, thank you very much. I'm here to murder you. Uh, And they did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. the it's a knife that cuts both ways. Sure. So that was a uh, that was my Saturday. We went out and got there's a a pretty good like pizza place uh, that was like right next to the Chinese place that was also like right next oh, really to really cool. The, you know, the Irish pub that we went to, and did that and had a had a good time. Wonderful. But yeah, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where it was it was really nice to. To meet him now, he had gotten his ticket because he was really the only person who could afford to go. So like he had finished third at that tournament, but because he was the only one who had the resources to get over there oh, to sure. Atlanta, that yeah. he was the he was the one that went and represented. And I think that's one of the things that Games Workshop really needs to look at is for if if it's basically gonna say that it's gonna fund X number of tickets, mm-hmm. and this is a conversation that Nick Raverty and I had at, at dinner was Games Workshop should really look at that at spending that money where it would do the most good, right? Right. And I don't I don't mean that from like a charity perspective. I I mean that from, you know, the perspective of, you know, if you have a US player, getting them their plane ticket to Atlanta is, you know, a couple hundred bucks, which which is welcome. And the hotel stay is, you know, not not cheap, but like there are there are options. That the person who's going to appreciate that more is the person who has the greatest expenses to bear. Well, you're um, coming from sir, China or you're coming from, you know, Eastern Europe or wherever you're coming or from. Or the Philippines. Or the or Philippines, Australia. right, yeah. Like, you know, to, to get to the U.S., that plane ticket is minimum several thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I can't speak to anybody's individual economic position, but, you know, for for a lot of people, that is you know, too much money. And if Games Workshop really wants this to be, you know, like, like a continued mainstay of, you know, world attendance and not, it was really nice of Carlos community to come in and, you know, su- like support kind of crowd their community member, yeah. like to, to get over and do that. Like, that's great. But that is neat. why, why isn't the multi-billion dollar company doing that? Well, I was just going to say, Brendan, you know, this is, this is such an interesting topic that I'm glad you brought up. Not, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna beat on anybody or say you know evil this or whatever. But it's like, yeah, this company has millions and millions and millions of dollars that, you know, obviously it invests in events like this. And why can't it afford to buy the tickets for those people who are in the most need of those tickets in terms of the economic piece of it? You know, where where's the value? As you said, a guy coming from Texas to Atlanta, it's cheaper, but as a as a corporation and saying, you know, we're, we want to encourage this to be a world event, 
the economic piece of it is much more valuable from Asia or Australia. And, and, and you can afford to and even, and you can afford Europe. to do that or Europe. You can afford a couple few thousand dollars if you're this company. You you just can. What I think that they should maybe do in a situation like this is create an application system for it, right? And basically mm. basically say, you know, like I would like to seek, you know, X amount of dollars of, you know, of support from Games Workshop. Like a grant, for, almost. Yeah. Okay. And, sure. and you know what, like, you can either set up, set that up through Games Workshop, That's right, where Games point. Workshop's the one doing the booking, or, you know, you make it so that the, the money is provided, you know, once that person's in attendance or whatever, right? Right, like, right. Um, like, there are, there are, there are ways to do it where, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, this person qualified and then games workshop gave them a thousand dollars and then they didn't go right like, right there yeah. there are mechanisms to make this you know Work. done in such a way where yeah. you know every everybody can benefit from it and i i would really like to see you know games workshop do something in the direction of supporting the folks who would who would value the support the most sure like you know, again, not saying that I wouldn't appreciate, you know, having the hotel on the flight, but I, I don't know, half the field is Americans right now. Like, mm. why <laughs> why is that? Right. It makes sense. That's a good point. And it's, it's a good discussion topic for this because, again, people I don't, I don't think are going to consider something like this when they think about worlds. So thank you. That's good. So, so how about your Saturday? Saturday Very enjoyable. Both the games that I played were run by Ike's son Jason, who I've known, as I've said before, since he was like, I don't know, 12 years old. He's been playing board games forever. And he ran in the uh, morning and afternoon. This covered both. It was like a five-hour game that we played, or maybe even longer. It was a grand Napoleonic campaign type of a game. And so... There were five players. There was the French, the British, Spanish, the Russians, Austrians, and Prussians were the main factions. And just really cool. The way the time mechanic worked uh, from year to year, how it moved forward. There was a really cool card mechanic where each turn you got a certain number of cards. And these cards could either be ones that you played right away or there were some that you had like in reserve or a contingency, and I'll talk about one of the battles that happened and how I used one of these contingency cards to actually affect a battle where I was nowhere near it. But you could do that because of the way the game played. Very, very interesting, the way you recruited, all these things, as you can imagine, in more of a strategic level type of a game. But it got to the point where the French had made it to Vienna, and there was a combined Russian and Austrian army there fighting them. So the combat resolution, again, was very unique. But one of the things that can happen is if you get attrition before the battle, and this happens in several ways, those losses that you take from attrition count against your combat result. So it's really bad to get attrition. You want to hold back if you're going to be out of supply or something else that's going to cause it. Well, the British player had a card for dysentery. Wasn't that lovely, right? But he could have played this before the battle and it would have given Napoleon's army some attrition. Well, for some reason, he like showed the card. I don't know why, because you're not supposed to show any of these cards. And all the people who, the French, and I was 
actually the Prussian, which is interesting in early in the game because I'm neutral. I can decide which side I want to come. So I decided to come down on the side of Napoleon and the Empire just to make it interesting, right? I was like, hey, don't attack. Like, don't attack yet. He, and the thing is, your cards kind of go away at the end of a turn. So this card was going to disappear. He ended up waiting a turn to attack and then the battle ensued. And so they did the the combat damage and the combat result and it was very very close so then i had this cavalry charge card that was a contingency card and i played it and it totally changed the combat result you know like if it was plus two for the um allies then all for the coalition all of a sudden it was plus two for the french and their allies and it just totally flipped everything and it was so cool that i wasn't anywhere close to the battle that i could do this and everything was obviously very thematic in terms of the era of the, the combat was taking place and the game was taking place. Very, very cool. It didn't feel like it was five or six hours we had been playing. Just really, really a neat game. That was the thing I did for several hours on Saturday. And then in the evening, Jason ran a, a Star Wars Rebellion game. This was so freaking cool, man. It just... Oh my gosh, I didn't have any idea what it was about. And then once I saw the components and how the mechanics worked and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. So two Rebel Alliance players, two um, Empire players. And the goal of the Empire is to find the Rebel hidden base, destroy it, hopefully with a Death Star. And the Rebels, of course, wanted you not to find their base and destroy it and try to run the clock down. I'll talk about the clock mechanic in a second so that the Empire basically runs out of time because if they run out of time before they do that, then the Rebels win. There were characters from all over the Star Wars um, universe and each one of them had some really unique abilities. There was a way that um, you could do sabotage missions. You could try to capture like Rebel leaders some rebel leaders could go in and try to rescue the heroes. It was, it was just cool. And you're building forces all over the galaxy and these different planetary systems. And you pick your rebel base secretly, obviously. So, uh, And then the Empire has a way to try to narrow down where it might be. You get these probe cards. Remember from the second Star Wars movie, those probes that came out in the, on Hoth. And you can make it easier to find out where it is, but it's still very difficult given all the choices that you have. But one of the things, the way, and the main thing, the way the timer works is the rebels start out on one end of this time uh, track and the empire starts out on the other. And so it advances up um, each turn by one um, as you play the game for the empire. And for the rebels, you actually want to move the track down in the other direction. And the way you do that is by completing objectives and missions. And you can manipulate this mission objective deck to get them to come out faster and make them easier to achieve. It was very chess-like where you had to play two or three turns ahead to try to set up all your assets and stuff. And you're, you're talking to your a partner here and saying, hey, you know, which one of these do we want to do? Do we have this? No, we'll do this one. And so you're moving the track down one or two spaces every time you achieve one of these and the gap starts closing between the Empire and the, the Rebel Alliance. We ended up building a huge fleet in this kind of isolated system 
so that we knew the Death Star was going to eventually find out where we were so we could intervene. They couldn't, the movement mechanic was cool too, so you can't just move everything into one place. You have to really carefully decide how you're going to play stuff. And we were two turns out from being destroyed. It was so close, but it was so cool. Really, really enjoyable. And yeah, just all the mechanics and everything. The graphics, of course, were amazing. And um, yeah, so I had another wonderful day. Okay, Brendan, we're going to come back with Sunday now. And I'm going to go first just because my Sunday is much easier, uh, much, (laughs) much more straightforward. So as usual, that has become the tradition in the last few years, we played uh, Chariots. And Sunday morning, it was as fun as always. Uh, this year, fortunately, uh, I did not lose by having my bloody body slide across the finish line this time. I ended up finishing <laughs> in one piece, my chariot intact in fourth place, which was fine. We had five players. Ike was running it as usual, and the banter is always fun and, and interesting between the players. Each player had two chariots, so there were ten chariots on the race course, and... Yeah, just a great fun game where each individual charioteer has its own characteristics and the mechanics are very roughly similar to Formula D where you know you have to worry about going into curves and stuff, but just a unique set of rules and everything else and you always get, of course, the one person who has the analysis paralysis thing and everybody's just rolling their eyes going, Oh my god, just move your chariot, man. Just do something. <laughs> So, so anyway, it was fun though. had had a great time, and and survived. So that that was important after last year. Yeah, and then just hung around, talked to people. I saw our friends uh, Theo and Cheer were there, which was really cool. I don't know why exactly, because I know I saw Theo's dad. I always do. He's always there. I think they came out for some special event or something. But it was great seeing them again. Other people. There were folks that came over from Pathfinder. They were asking me where I was, are you coming back, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, it's it's good to be liked, you know. It's good to be yeah. loved. <laughs> and so just an overall great, great, great weekend. Well worth the time this year again. And, yeah, look forward to a year from now going back. Yeah, your Sunday, your last day at Worlds. Yep. Last day, last game. I really, 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 really would have preferred the format if they had gotten all three games for us done on Saturday. Mm. I would have really appreciated that, and I, I certainly gave them that feedback in the okay. uh, post-event questionnaire that that we got. But so now I'm playing to try to not get last. There's three of us, and then also the ringer, who you know who were in, in position for that spot. And so David was playing Iron Jaws. It was uh, an 18-pig Maw Crusher list. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, it, that's that's not great. He, he can outmaneuver me. He has the ability to lift basically any of my units that matter. And he outdrops me too. So <laughs> I was able to deploy and then we're playing spring the traps so i was able to deploy in such a manner where him going first was a, a really really bad idea because all he was going to kill is a couple of ghouls and maybe a couple of horrors okay because i had like tucked all of my units behind some impassable stuff and things like that and made it a really unpleasant prospect of sending everything in because you'll lose <laughs> everything in return okay so he has me go first 
and I start throwing some buffs on the Terrorgeist, and it's just, okay, let's see what happens. You know, got Mystic Shield out there, you know, didn't manage to get my five-up ward, but, you know, things happen. Toss him across the board, I pull off six of his pigs, I pull off a bunch of his brutes, and I'm standing there, you know, four inches away from his Maw Crusher. Sure. And so, bottom of one, he finest hours his Maw Crusher, and I finest hour my Terror Geist, like, alright, man, like, let's... Let's go. But he he does pull the terror guys, which is which is bad. But I had uh, flares up on the side by his other twelve pigs. He's mm. gotta send stuff that way. So his his first turn, you know, he's really spent spread out, but now I'm down my general and I just keep winning priorities and winning priorities and winning mm. priorities and holding on and getting enough objectives and scoring my battle tactics and you know, we get right to the end. And I was like, like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, like, I had held one of my summons until very late, you know, snagged an objective that he had basically abandoned. I was going to, I was going to get that. Okay. And, you know, his grand strategy, I just couldn't deny. And he ended up beating me by, I think it was like one point. It's like, oh, oh Brandon. I, but it was. That game was so cool because he just he just kept brute forting his way through things and I was just like I was like I got a trick here and I got a trick here and I got a trick here and I can do this and I can do that and but at the end of it it just I just didn't have enough gas sure to to pull off enough units and and reduce the threats in a way I was I was definitely okay with the trade that I made for the Terrorgeist versus the six pigs and oh yeah. And the Brutes, I got away positive on the points exchange, I think. And it forced him to spend a turn kind of not headed towards me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made probably too risky of a play in battle round two. But him and I talked about it after the fact. And, and the alternative you know, of, of giving it to him and, and playing a little bit safer or you know, doing that. It, I we, we both didn't think that it would it probably would have gone worse for me to hand that turn away because then he would have done exactly what I thought he was going to do and then ultimately Uh did. But in my aggressive play, I didn't quite connect, meaning that I was effectively in the place I would have been if I had given him the turn. Um, Right. Which, you know, we we saw how that went. But that that was really cool. And then the... This is kind of where I I feel like their ability, like the, the tournament being ran sort of fell apart. Because okay. like up to this point, things have been great. Things have been on time. Things were as as advertised. They said, "Hey, you know, come back for awards at five. You know, cool." So, you know, we went checked out the you know the top eight and stuff like that. You know, watched that for a little bit, and then I headed back to the hotel to you know to shower and get changed and you know come back because you know if awards are at five, I scheduled dinner to be you know at like six thirty, seven o'clock or sure, whatever. That so seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back, we're hanging out, and you know about five oh five. Both Age of Sigmar and 40K go into the double elimination mode. Oh, the player, come you know, on. Which is fine, but, but you still, told us the awards yeah. told us awards are at five. You still that's, got that's two games going on though. That's okay. Oh, I guess, uh, because what I they guess. what they had told us was that they were going to run the awards, you know, for the overwhelming majority of the field, and then these folks, you know, would, would get sorted out when okay. they get sorted out. Okay. You know, fine. So so I, you know, I asked the question, you know, so, and they go, hey, uh, because these are going on, we're going to do awards when these games are done. 
okay, well, when's that going to be? Well, whenever they're done. They said, but if you need to leave, oh, you know, God. like you can, you can come get your award. And I was like, okay, well, I need to leave. Like, I'm not going to change our dinner reservations and, you know, all this. Dan, the Age of Sigmar game didn't end until after 9.30 p.m. Oh, Brendan. That, oh, my God. That game was over four hours. And it, it wasn't even, like, played out through five. I mean, that was, that was a travesty, really. Because there's, from my <clears throat> perspective and a number of other people's perspective, there's nothing that went on in the display of that game in particular that would excite anybody mm. to playing the game, the game of Age of Sigmar. It went on forever, you know, and right, you can say that the play styles were weren't whatever they were going to be. That's fine. It's Skaven versus Lumineth. There's... There's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some trickery in that game in terms of, you know, stuff that isn't necessarily straightforward to the average viewer. Mm -hmm. Fine, whatever. That's not the point. But if you can't have me interested in that game, then I don't, I don't know who <laughs> right. you're going to get interested in that game. That that was really frustrating. I'm I'm glad I collected my award early in the sense of I really was not going to stick around for that, and then. Our friend Nick, who stuck around for for it, because he was at the hotel and you know he was he's on a little bit of a different schedule than I was. You know, they went down and basically read the names off as fast as they could. Like, mm. you know, I I think Sunday was really disrespectful to a lot of people's times, and I don't just mean from the awards perspective. Mm -hmm. I was I was really frustrated with Sunday putting that last game on Sunday. Felt like they were just trying to keep us here. Mm -hmm. where I would have much, much, much rather have had Sunday open to either play pickup games with people, because mm -hmm. there were a ton of cool people that, like, I just met in passing, or, you know, like, we just didn't, didn't have the time to, like, sit down and talk, and I, I would have loved to have gotten some games in with, or, you know, let's set up and play a big, dumb mega battle with all the best <laughs> okay. players in the world, right? Yeah. Like, the stuff that was coming out in social media, the way that people were talking about it, was so much free publicity for Games Workshop and their competitive side of things and their organized play events, and that's really good for them. Wouldn't it be really cool to see all of those players having just a ton of fun? Yeah, just hanging out, that'd be perfect. drinking beers or, you know, whatever, and just playing a big game of Warhammer. Hey, you know, even the competitive players can, you know, let their hair down a little bit and <laughs> sure. just enjoy. Like. That like so keeping us there felt really disrespectful on the on the Sunday part of it, and then the failure to keep to a schedule and keep to a time because if you just said that awards are at eight, mm -hmm. fine, I'll come back at eight. I don't love that that's the time that awards are at, given that my game is done at one. But hey, it's what it is. You know, I'll make do. You know, I, maybe I'll go see a museum or you know we'll go get a, a dinner early. But sure. I was really not appreciative of of the way that Sunday was handled. Okay. At, at large fair so fair okay um, but yeah so i uh, i finished dead last in in battle uh <laughs> I, brandon but i am the best flesh eater courts player in the world signed sealed delivered <laughs> certified i know I've, I've got an award that says it i'm gonna I tell you a, i have a world championships of warhammer oh. 2023 gold medal you know no one no one can do anything about that. I have it. So I, uh, I got to tell you, so I was sending Cindy, you know, forwarding these things to her. And she was like, oh, my gosh, Brendan must be, you know, and she was just fretting for you because, she, you know, we know each other really well. And so then, <laughs> when I told her, like, 
he's still got some hardware. She's like, oh, thank God. I'm so happy that he got something out of this weekend. It was really funny, her reaction. I mean, even even without the hardware, right? Right, I know. That's far know. from the most important thing. Sure. I get to say something really cool in that that I'm considered, despite finishing last, you know, amongst one of the best players in the world at this game. Oh, yeah. The fact that and, you even got there, Brendan. You know, people have to think about that as well. Yeah. I, it, like, you know, we, we got there. You're part of it. You know, I, I knew going in that that my practice was going to be limited. I, I knew what I chose going in. Like, you know, I, I'm disappointed I didn't, you know, get a couple more wins out of there because I, I did feel that, you know, two in particular were within my reach at present. And I felt with more practice that there were probably two that I could have won that way as well. Okay. Um, just, just knowing my army a little bit better and knowing my opponent's army a little bit better. And so it's it's preparation. It's all things that are within my control that I either chose to or did not have the opportunity to to pursue. Okay. And you know, so the the result is my own, and and that was you know, it's certainly a little humbling to you know take as as many losses as I did. But you know, one of the things that I really appreciated about it was, you know, if you'd asked me this question five years ago, I'm sure you'd have gotten a, a different answer. But okay, you know, if I were to go back, I don't. I don't think I would put in the time and energy required to try and go for something like a top eight. That that's something mm-hmm. that just doesn't interest me. Like right. I I know right now without without any sort of caveat that I'm one of the best players in the world, and I'm happy with that. Right? Like I I know sure. that that's something I did. You know, if you had told ten year old me that that's something that you could say, like that would be really cool and really exciting. Like when I first started going to tournaments. Yeah, it was more just me wanting to see, like, you know, I do really well locally, you know, but am I just big fish in a little pond? Or, you know, what is this? And you go to bigger tournaments and you do well, and you go to bigger tournaments and you keep doing well, and you go to bigger tournaments and you keep doing well. It's like, okay, well, this is like, this is the tournament winner's tournament of tournaments. Like, right. I didn't do well. That's fine. You know, I can't count myself amongst the, you know, <laughs> the top eight or whatever, but right. I, I didn't think I was. <laughs> You know, so that was like that was really cool. That was that was a neat experience to have. It's something to to be able to go. I don't know that I would prioritize going to qualifier events. Mm. You know, with the express written intent and purpose of trying to get my golden ticket. Because I, I don't know that it matters to me. You know, now that I've done it and I mm. and I have it and I can say that I did it. It's, you know, I don't know. You can. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some. Psych, you know, psychological window that I've opened for someone to to assess, but <laughs> okay. like it's, I'm I'm very happy and very comfortable with where I am and and the things that I can that I can say without you know calling it a half truth or that kind of thing. Okay. Like it it was cool to go. I'm glad I went. I don't know that I'd prioritize going again, but if you are, you know, a player who wants to, you know, seek out the toughest games in the world go qualify for the world championship of Warhammer. I've, I've never played eight tougher games in a row. Sure. Excellent. You know, had I brought something like bone reapers, could I have done better? Absolutely. But part of what I wanted going into this was the opportunity at, at trying to find some hardware and no one else brought flesh eater courts. So that did it. Yeah. Best in the world. So I have a question, Brennan, how did overall the Sylvaneth players do? performance wise uh, 
I mean, well, uh, but no one made top eight. Um, okay. With, with Sylvaneth. But there was there was a lot of Sylvaneth players, and they brought a lot of different lists, which I which I had sent you. But when you say middle of the field, right? That's a you know that's quite the quite the loaded statement because you know it's the middle of the field of people who have all won pretty (laughs) and who are who are at worlds you know so (laughs) that doesn't have that doesn't sound quite right it's very counterintuitive almost when you when you say it that way so i was just curious um as a sylvaneth player how how they had done the other question i had for you was you know you talked about the 40k narrative side do you know if they were using the crusade rules which is their narrative equivalent to Path to Glory? I can't say for sure, but I believe the answer to that is yes. Okay, very Because cool. I believe what they were doing was at all of the GW Open events through the U.S., there were narrative events that were run at the same time, and all those narratives, I believe, tied together and were part of that crusade system. Okay. Because, you know, some of the... We are talking to Chuck Moore, who's strength hammer on twitter and he does his own stuff but he was helping run the the narrative side of things and he was saying that if they were to do it for aos it would follow the path to glory style system Mm -hmm. but i'm not quite sure how everything broke out because like some people had like real regular looking armies and some people were had like titans and like gorgonauts (laughs) and swigoths and it's like (laughs) i don't know how we got here but like it was really cool and people people did really cool armies and people really dressed up and like they had professional cosplayers and things like that nice. that were part of the nice that were part of the events and it's like that was really cool to follow in person and then I'd also check in on their like their blog posts and stuff that they would do okay throughout the weekend yeah they did the blog posting for the the competitive side of things but that was that was less exciting them you know looking across the room being like wow like those people look like they're having a blast <laughs> sure well thank you man for taking us inside and uh, give us a bit of a a view of of what was happening behind the scenes there behind the curtain as it were all right so that was our great travel weekend why don't we talk a little bit about our sylvaneth lists i'm gonna go over mine first. It's the one I took when I played Kenny yesterday. Okay. And as you had stated before, you know, both of these are, uh, or these are Belfinos kind of getting unleashed on the, the general Sylvaneth landscape to see how he works. So I took Heartwood. I took a uh, spellcasting savant. I had a tree Lord ancient who I gave the Vesperal gem and throne of vines. And we'll see how that worked out. Archrev. I took my branch, Witch as a general, I gave her war singer and I gave her the magic peanut. Otherwise known as the seed of rebirth okay. <laughs> and virtuous harmony because, you know, taking that spell casting savant and not having the war song be that person. I was like, so how can I try to give her a little bit more resilience? And even though that seed only brings you back, you know, with D3 wounds or whatever, if that happens in rounds four or five, that could be significant. You could keep that general alive for the game and get that that strategy. And and that's yeah. important in games. So it just, it was interesting to try something different. And that's really what it was about. And of course I took Belthanos. And then I took uh, six size. I took six Rev Seekers, not uh, Lancers, and then I took two units of five Tree Revs. 
So that was the overall list. So some things I learned. First of all, Belthanos giving people run-in charge is just insanity. I bet. Like, so Kenny brought this really interesting list, as I think I mentioned before. So he had six Thundercats and he had six Evocators, were the two main threat pieces in his army. You know, he had five Vindictors, he had five Liberators, he had the Castigators, a couple other things. But I was focused on the, the Evocators and the Thundercats. So he came out a little bit with his Thundercats. And I was like, okay, Kenny, you know what I can do, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm just saying. And those, and he all, and he also had two, is it, it's not Fulminators, but they're like Fulminators on those Draconoth things. Well, there's, there's Desolators, there's Concussors, there's... Uh, it, it was one of those Fulminator type of units with two models is what it was. Okay. Okay. Um, but I know they had six wounds apiece and they were, they were pretty, pretty punchy. I know that. He had them kind of up a little bit forward as well. So I had Belthanos kind of in the center near the big tree, you know, with, with the war, with the branch witch inside of it. I had the Kronos on one side, the Rev Seekers on the other. I had spread my tree revs out to either side so they could kind of move how they needed to. And then my tree Lord Ancient, that was the other thing I had. And the Ancient, it worked out really well at going after other stuff. You know, other than the two things that were the centers of mass. And with that throne of vines, man, it just, okay, just do that. Autocast, boom, done. And I put him into the Vindictors, you know, whoosh, there we go. I put him into the Liberators, poof, gone. I put him into the um, Encanter, poof, gone. It, it took care of a lot of pieces that were just out there that could grab objectives and do other things. And he couldn't do anything against it. With what he had, because nothing... One time, I think, when they blew up, they took off, like, five wounds or something. And by the time it came around again, I was back up to, like, 13. <laughs> you know, it's just... It was such a great choice to keep that tree lord alive. And he was still a wizard. You know, so if I didn't need Throne of Vines, I could throw a Mystic Shield, or I could do something else. Plus... And so, so that's what the tree lord Ancient did, and it was really effective for the points. And... Most armies have those little pieces that you can go after, you know, and the fact that he can teleport uh, to different places means he can go after those different pieces that normally you can't. And if it's something smaller, he's going to have a really good chance of getting rid of it or almost killing it. And they're not going to be able to do anything back or you're going to have to commit a huge amount of resources to kill this one model. So Tree Lord check was really good. Then the Arch Rev, you know, I took which was just, you need to keep close to the Kurnos. I mean, that's just all it is. That She needs to stay close. And as long as she stays within 12 when they're in combat, it's all good. You get your plus one to wound. Uh, also, as Heartwood, I have plus one you know, to hit for three units, the two centerpieces, and then I think the, uh, the leader of the Thundercats, the Evocator on that, uh, was also a target. So having the, I mean, they were, the Kronos were hitting on twos and twos. Jeez. You know, minus three Ren is like, yeah, okay. It made such a huge difference. And we had talked before about swords versus scythes. And against an army like that that has almost all three up saves, you know, some four ups, that three Ren was just devastating. 
Yeah, real real can opener, you know. I mean, I hit the I hit the cats, and even though I rolled a bunch of ones, I still killed four of them. Um, Belthanos, I I didn't talk about him. So, Belthanos turning stuff into other stuff was just so much fun. You know, my tree lord ancient was out there. There was a piece of terrain near it, and so I, Belthanos was close enough. He just turned it into arcane. So, boom, tree lord ancient plus one. <laughs> the cast, right? And then I cast it back on where the branch witch was. Poof! <laughs> Plus one to cast. It, I think I had like four pieces of terrain that were arcane <laughs> during the cave, but it was so much fun. And they were all wildwood now too. So they were all teleport points. It was unbelievable. I like, I didn't have to get any trees out, which was really weird, you know? Although I have to say, getting trees out, the, the main thing with that is that it gives you more places to get your eradicate trespassers uh, uh, tactic because if there's anything within six you can go after that unit you know and if you have more trees out then you have more more targets to go after to get your your uh, tactic Belthanos just worked out great he he was punchy but here's the caution that I have for people is it he doesn't heal really other than the one wound right he gets the one wound yeah, not, back. Not natively, yeah. yeah. He doesn't have anything additional. Right, so when he was down to like eight wounds all of a sudden, you know, and then he was down to like six wounds. And I'm going, well, I have no way to heal him. And so he was bracketing down and these six, I think it was six evocators or five of them charged him. And like, oh, he's dead. Well, no, he wasn't because, you know, he had a two-up save, a five-up ward. He survived with like four wounds. I took him back, you know, just so he didn't die. But he was kind of out of the battle other than being able to give people the ability to run and charge. But even that was way reduced because he was bracketed, right? Right. So I think you have to be really cautious about how much you throw him in. And even with that three up, five up, once he starts bracketing, he's not coming back from that. And unless you take regrowth, which if you know you took another branch witch or something and you could throw regrowth on him, that would be great. Oh, it's but, funny you mentioned something like that, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned that about him. But again, that running charge was just brutal. And here's the thing, you know, he could be anywhere on the board. So, he, you know, as my, I pushed my guys forward, he was forward, too. So they were still within eight, wholly within 18, and I could just throw them running, charging in another direction, you know, further down the board. And I get that I saved enough points where I always had an auto run. So everybody was, was moving really fast, even when they weren't close to the Branch Witch to get, you know, Warsinger and get the extra three, it was enough. Really, really good stuff there uh, in this list. The Rev Seekers were so good like you know with that two rend and the two damage boy i was i was really surprised and talk about recursion man it was just insane so i was down to three of them i pulled them back i rallied them on the five up i got two of the two of the three back that i was missing and then they did their thing and all of a sudden i was back up to six it was like i hadn't lost anything it was just amazing right and then they had virtuous harmony I threw that out there and got another hunter back. And then the Rev Seekers were near the hunters another turn, and they brought another one back. And it was just like, good God, I had 11 out of 12 models left at the end of the game. It was really cool. It was neat to see it work. The tree revs worked exactly the way they were supposed to. And with these big punchy units on the board, it was really hard for 
Kenny to focus on them, to kill them or do anything, because they were so... Uh, they had to worry about the Tree Lord and the other two punchy units, you know? So the, the Tree Revs were able to grab stuff and get tactics and do other things that they needed to do. So that's kind of how the, the list worked. Uh, it seemed to work really well. Uh, Belthanos was incredibly valuable, both in terms of run and charge and of converting terrain and making things uh, overgrown. And growing that teleport network was really, really good. So that's my feedback on, on this particular list. So I went, so what's good is I wrote two lists, and the first one I wrote um, actually looked kind of very similar to, to what you played, so okay. feel pretty all right about that. I wrote a second list, an Oakenbrow list, actually. Oh, cool. Belthanos, Spirit of Durthu, and a Tree Lord Ancient okay. with two units of Tree Revs and two Tree Lords. And on um, Spites from Hive, and that brought me to 1980. So my thought is with this approach, I took the two Branch Wists and the Tree Lord Ancient, and I put them in Warlord, and you could make a good argument for doing Acolytes instead with them, but I went with Warlord to get an extra artifact, because I also took the Vesperal Gem and Throne of Vines on the Tree Lord Ancient, oh, that's and then so I gave cool the Greenwood Gladius that. to Durthu. <laughs> Yep. And I gave Warlord, I gave the Warsinger to Durthu. Okay. So the thought is is that this becomes, so like part of Oakenbrow was you created just kind of this like rolling force that just like swept over the board. Mm. And what Warsinger and Balthanos allow you to do is to take that ball somewhere and then explode it. Where mm. you can you can go out Take the extra movement that you're going to get from Warsinger from being around Durthu, because you're you're going to be near them. The, all these trees can teleport in some way together or another. Right. And you're going to reserve your one normal teleport for like a branch witch, and you have your uh, two little flute teleports with the tree revs to to go annoy somebody. But you move it around. You get to a point. You explode. You go a couple of different directions with you know the True Lord Ancient and maybe two of the trees. And then Durthu and Belthanos go the other direction and, and beat some stuff up. Oh, yeah. And so you're, you're leaning less heavily on Strike and Fade in, in that list, except to you mm. know swing back to the Branch Witch, who's sitting back there with Regrowth, while the other Branch Witch rolls around. And I gave, I gave that one Horfrost just because I oh. wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. But Tree Song is a perfectly good choice. Mm. I mean, shoot, you could give both of them regrowth and have them support wherever they're going chuck down spites from hive if you think that you've got to go extra far with mm. one of these units but utilizing the run and charge or taking that teleport and sending that unit to where the rest of your balls are but it's it's got like a it's got like kind of a recycling mechanic to it because everything that you're putting out there at your opponent is at least a three up save You've got your anti-pile and tech with the with the tree lords. Yeah. You have your as you found out your borderline unkillable tree lord ancients. Yeah. You've got a you've got a Durthu that is looking to come and hit you right in the face. I didn't really settle on what I would want to do with the season that they'd be in. Mm-hmm. I I think there's a good justification for just about all of them. Brendan, if I can 
say I didn't tell you which one. I took Reaping for the first time ever. And I'm going to tell you, having a 12-inch bubble for teleporting and doing all that stuff instead of a 9-inch was just fantastic. Especially with more of those overgrowns, you know, on the board. Yep. It's a 24-inch bubble literally around a piece of terrain. It was so, so powerful in terms of flexibility. So Yeah, that's that's something I really liked at Vault Wars. And so I, I think there's value in that. I think there's value in the six up ward if you don't charge. Mm. I think there's I think there's value in the re-rolling your casting and binding your dispelling, mm-hmm. especially with the branch with especially if you um you don't put them in acolytes having that reroll is pretty valuable especially if you're mm-hmm. relying on trying to get regrowth out on the battlefield sure i think that's worth looking at and like even the one where sixes explode that one's tougher right but if you're going to have more pieces of terrain that are eligible for it i'd feel better about it mhm okay so Excellent. um you know sixes explode on on balthanos and durthu are very, very, very tempting, as as I'm sure <laughs> that thought crossed your mind too, Dan. Yes, it did. Um, it did. And you know from experience how hard it is to keep keep those things in those bubbles. But I I would look at that and say optimistically that there's that I, I would try it. I don't know that I would try it at a tournament mm-hmm. as yeah, the starting right. point. Right, right. But you know, I'd want to play a game or two to see how that went. Uh, for grand strategy, I think you probably take overshadow. Your battle okay. line is pretty tough to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, two two tree lords and two revs are pretty hard to get your hands on <laughs> them uh, over the course of the game. Yeah, especially the revs. Yeah, I obviously did not get a chance to play with this list, but I think the only thing I'm missing is I I'm short one tree lord. Okay. Um, for my current collection to be able to to give something like that a go but cool yeah i i really liked as i was kind of you know putting things together for this list that you know you you could run balthanos in a war song and feel okay about it you can run mm-hmm. balthanos and durthu and feel okay about it you can do balthanos in none of those options and you know throw a bunch of other stuff in there <laughs> sure. and, and feel okay sure. about it like yeah it really 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 interesting tech piece I'm excited to see him start hitting tables and you know, start seeing how people do at tournaments with him because uh, it, it just opens up a completely different way of playing. And like, and you are totally valid and justified in not including him either, oh, which, sure. I think is, sure. which I think is a pretty cool element. Like it's, it's a model that opens up so many different ways to play but is also not mandatory. Right. Yeah, and I think he's the key to unlocking some units that otherwise would be marginalized because of their lack of mobility. You know, even, it sounds kind of weird saying that in a Sylvaneth list, but you still have to make nine-inch charges. Let's just be honest. And you don't want to be playing those odds all the time if you want to win a game. You can't afford to do that. No, those are Um, are long games. Those are games you're just depending on luck to win, and that just doesn't work in the long run. So, yeah, well, thanks for those two. Um, Yeah. A lot, it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of great things going on with, with Sylvanas. So, all right. I think that's it then for Lies. Yeah. And we can move on to Scriptorium. Etc. 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 All right. Scriptorium. We have 
two new releases this week. We have Grey Hunter, which is the third Ragnar book. It appears that they have re-recorded the Ragnar books uh, Ooh, okay. with a new reader. I listened to, you know, the audio samples. It sounds great. I mean, it's a Ragnar book. It's cool, you know? And sure. if you want to listen to Ragnar, I've talked about him before. I've talked about my listens and how cool they are. So yeah, give it a shot. If it seems something that's interesting, you should do that. And then Black Pyramid on the Mortal Realm side, it looks like Gardas has a uh, book. And if you're into Gardas, Steel Soul, whatever, you probably would enjoy this book. It looks very, very interesting. He's a really cool character anyway. So it looks like, like that would be a good, a good listen. Your stuff. Yeah, for me, not too, too much. You know, it started the end of the death. So that's um, good. I'm a couple hours into <laughs> into that. The um, damn you! I... <laughs> <laughs> we were watching on Netflix the Great British Bake Off, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that show. But now that that's changed my recommendations on Netflix a little bit, there's this show called Drink Masters, which is kind of like a very similar concept where they get. But instead of it just being a bunch of amateurs, it's uh, a bunch of bartending mixologist professionals oh. who are put in competition to create these, you know, these drinks based on these challenges. And it was really interesting. It was it was really cool to see people at the at the top of their craft. Okay. You know how they how they go about the process of making, you know, the drinks that are like thirty dollars. You know, what the. <laughs> And I don't, and I don't mean that these are you know like you go to your local bar and you ask them for you know uh, a dirty martini or whatever. Like these are really creative, technical drinks. You know that like there's a lot of effort into you know how it goes together and the different preparation methods and all. Like, and that was and that was really cool. Okay, to, to see all that. So cool. Yes, yeah, so that was a that was a fun show and. Really, it's just been a lot of college football because that's the you know the season's wrapping up you know basically right now as we're talking that's that's been my primary thing to watch. I finished War of Words, the book I was reading. It is a fine read. It is highly recommended. She just does such a great job of informing and the last first to last chapter was just fascinating because she got to the point where she was starting to talk about how at the time they were called Negro soldiers, you know, were um, coming into the service and these integrated units and how people weren't aware of how much they were participating in the war. And so the this servicemen's press organization, you know, kind of helped people understand and get feedback and see what was really going on. And then they ta she talked about the women in the service, you know, the waves and the wax and all that stuff and how difficult a time they had just because of the culture and the way it was, just how, again, this service of the the soldier, sailor, airman, marine uh, articles and periodicals and stuff helped people understand what the contribution was. And so it was a fascinating, very informative chapter. And then the last chapter, the afterward, was just like super hard hitting because you felt like you know, this is World War II stuff, but you felt like it was written today, her her observations and stuff. So very, very good read. I'm going to go back to reading Thulman. <laughs> My book I read was starting, so it's a three-part trilogy. Or th three-part trilogy, that's stupid. That's uh, 
double whatever. So it's it's a so it's a so it's a nine story <laughs> book, three part trilogy. It's a three part omnibus, and I'm going to be reading the second part now. So yeah, so back to the old world. I am listening to Dark Harvest by Josh Reynolds. I had listened to it before several years ago when it came out, but now that you know, I'm just into all things Sylvaneth. This book gives you such a good feel for what the Sylvaneth are really like in the wild. You you get this feeling kind of that they're like semi-civilized, you know, they're willing to work with people and they're not that bad. And like, boy, they are just bestial. They're just brutal. And you get the feel for that in the book. And it's really cool though, to see that side of them uh, as they're interacting with humans. And then the other book that I'm listening to is Gene Father. I talked about it, the Belisarius Call versus Fabius Bile kind of thing. And I like this book because at first you can't figure out what the heck is going on. Like, why are you even talking about this thing? And then all of a sudden he goes to another place and like, why are you even talking? And then all of a sudden, like by the fourth chapter, you're going, ah, oh, I see what's going on here. And it's really cool that there's going to be this face-off between these two geniuses in their own twisted ways. So I'm I'm anxious to to keep listening to that probably on the way out to Virginia as I drive soon. I finished the Expanse. Oh man, <laughs> I just binged and binged and binged, and I got through it. And it's just such a magnificent series for those who haven't had listened to it, seen it. You need to just so so good, well acted. The science, the physics are just amazing. Just a great show. And what I'm going to do now, and I'm finished with that, is I'm going to move on to your recommendation to try House of Usher okay. and see how that goes. I'm going to be interested to see how I perceive this one because, or listen to the original Poe, kind of gothic horror side of it, get this perspective, this updated modern perspective. Um, so I went to see Napoleon. It was fine. It was good. It was entertaining. It was epic in its own way. I think, so it was worth my time. I, I didn't feel like I, you know, gosh, I'm sorry I spent the money and sat in the theater. But I think they just tried to do too much. I mean, this man's life was incredibly complex. And not only from a personal side, but from his contributions to France socially, his contributions to Europe socially, you know, yes, a lot of people died in Napoleon's armies and the wars he... But actually, if you look historically, it was the British who did a lot of this stuff. Anyway, you know, <laughs> it, you don't understand how much of a genius he was unless you really know the kind of things he did. And the, the movie just wasn't really able to do that because Scott was trying to fit all those different components in at the same time. But it was good. And it was informative. I'm hoping that if people go to it, what it's going to do is solicit more interest in who he was and what that time was. And so my recommendations would be one, another Ridley Scott movie actually called The Duelist, which is set in Napoleonic France. It's fascinating if you want to kind of find out more about the social side of France during that time. And then I would also recommend an older movie called Waterloo with Rod Steiger as Napoleon. And obviously it focuses on the Battle of Waterloo, but it gives you so much more context for not only the battle itself, but what led up to it. And it, it's an exceptional movie, very accurate historically. So those would be my recommendations for following up with Napoleon if you're interested in that, that time frame and in him as a person. Uh, my buddy Mike and I are going to see a new Godzilla movie tomorrow. All very right. Very exciting. Uh, we've, I got some feedback from my 
my usual crew of two or three folks who go to see stuff and then give me some ideas of what's going on. And they said it was just such a hoot. They said they had such a good time watching this movie. It was so entertaining. And uh, so Mike and I decided tomorrow already we're going. So that'll be fun. And with that, that is book and stuff time. Moving on to some questions, my friend. Brendan, what are we doing? Well, I'm going to have you go first because i got to finish writing two of my questions (laughs) here. (laughs) Okay. So my first question is if you had to make a choice next year, you kind of answered the question, I think. If you had to make a choice to go to a Nationals teams event or a world, you had to do one or the other again, which would you do? Uh, Probably the Nationals team event. I really just like the team format so much more right now it's not to say that i don't i don't like playing singles and things like that i my my brain just starts going more when we're talking about teams so like we're talking about you know Mm -hmm. the nashville teams events and we're talking about getting ready for that and you know the all the different layers of what it takes to get ready for a team's events, you know, from setting the expectation of you know what what do we want to do as a team then setting the expectation for the individual of Hey, you know, your expectation with this list is to, you know, be someone that scores a lot of points. That's your goal. Your your job is to keep it close and if you lose, make sure you don't lose big. Okay. You know, those those kinds of things are just more interesting. You know, you can you can write lists without the consideration for, you know, the worst of your matchups potentially. Sure. You know, it it creates new opportunities because you can't go into some tournaments with a list because you just say, look, if I get paired into um, Iron Jaws, I lose. Uh, <laughs> sure. So, okay. Well, in the pairing process, we will make sure that you don't get Iron Jaws unless you getting Iron Jaws means that three people have really good pairings and are going to win. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's just right right now that's, that's a style game that I, I find more interesting. Okay, fair. So a Sylvaneth list, um, would you prefer to take six size or six Lancers? 40-point difference between six of them. Yeah, yeah, and a, and a major speed difference and a major save difference. Yeah. Hmm, that's a, that's a good one. I, so much of that depends on what the rest of the list looks like, too. I, I think I would lean a natural tendency towards six Lancers, but that's more just probably what the rest of my list is going to look like where having a having a very speedy element like that is highly 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 valuable but so at worlds you can change one thing about your list you can either take different heroes or different units which would you have changed if i was going to change anything it'd be changing an army right um, uh, the whole army I, okay yeah the whole army i i don't with flesh eater courts I don't really think that there's, you know, and this will be a non-issue in two weeks. Right, um, right, of course. I, I don't really think there's a very effective build right now that isn't built around horrors uh, and the supporting of oh, sure. horrors. Okay. Having a terrorgeist is there because 
you know, it's a terror geist. It also opens up a a battle tactic for you. You take the arch regions for the summoning. Like it's just it's just built very soundly. You know, you could make some some arguments to adjust to have more ghouls in the list for screens, but ultimately at the end of the day, I, I don't think that value is necessarily there. Okay, fair. But yeah, if I were to change anything, it would be a different army because okay. then I would have to set my expectations at you know, going a different route. Okay. Um, but I intentionally went in with the statement of, I want to play something that other people are unlikely to play so that I have a improved chance at, at walking away with, with hardware. And then also potentially adding points to USA's score. Okay. Uh, so food question, we're going to go to Qdoba. Okay. And I'm going to buy you either a bowl or a burrito, one of those monster stuffed burrito things, mm-hmm. or a bowl where you can pick pretty much anything you want to throw in there. Which are you going to get? I basically always get the bowls at like Qdoba and Chipotle and things like that. Tortillas are so hit or miss for me. I, <laughs> sure, I either, you said that before. I either really like them or I really don't. Um, okay. And so I, I go at the safe route of knowing the, uh, the consumption method in which... Fair. I okay. I know I will enjoy the outcome. All right. So it looks like it may change, you know, but there are four teams that look like they're going to go, you know, to the the championships kind of. And we're going to assume it's these four. It may change. So we've got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State at this point. Yep. So I want you to pick the two teams that are going to get to the finals that are going to be the two well, contenders. Assuming it's those four that are in. Yes. I, I think it's going to be Michigan-Georgia, mm-hmm. but I have the Bama-Georgia game on right now. And if Bama wins, Georgia doesn't make it. Yep. I, I think that's plain and simple. But it doesn't mean Alabama gets in either. Well, that yeah. would certainly be vindication for last time <laughs> if they knocked yeah, them if, out. Yeah, so be... if, if, Bama, if Bama beats Georgia, Georgia doesn't get in and... Texas has won, so Texas beat Bama, so Texas is going in over Bama. Right. Which means then that they need Florida State or Michigan to lose. Mm-hmm. And I don't, man, if Iowa beats Michigan, okay. That, that would be something, yeah, agreed. Yeah. But Florida, Florida State absolutely can lose. Mm-hmm. Florida State is down to their third-string quarterback and playing a Louisville <laughs> team that is yeah. good. It, that is that is not out of the question that they could lose, and so then it's a a question of do you take one loss Bama, who is a conference champion, over one loss Ohio State, who is not a conference champion, but their loss was to Michigan. Okay, and that's you know, that that's a little less clear, but for Alabama to get in, they 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 need quite a bit of help from from the outside okay all right what do you got we will do uh we'll start with the first question of what would you change in your balthanos list after after running it i almost wonder if i would split and maybe it's not a big change but if i wouldn't split that unit of six uh, rev seekers to make them two threes because then he could get multiple recursions I think sure, that, okay, yeah. it was pretty strong, as I mentioned already. It, it's pretty pretty awesome. But being able to use them to heal the Kronoths or each other or whatever um, themselves, I, I think that might add just a little bit of 
resiliency to make them even tougher to get off the board and out of the way, extend their, their usefulness. Okay. I like that. What was your favorite game at RockCon this year? I think Star Wars Rebellion. Okay. Yeah. I just, it was fascinating and so cool. And it was so, there was so much tension. Like, it's just a game, right? But man, every turn, you're just afraid that he's going to figure out where your rebel base is. You could just, you could feel it. You feel like you're in the first Star Wars movie now, and the the darn Death Star is getting closer, and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Uh, and I also like that planning a few turns ahead component and trying to accelerate the clock moving in the other direction. That was such a, an awesome mechanic. So yeah, Star Wars Rebellion. Okay. If you were to have qualified for Worlds, what would yeah. what would you have brought? Um, I I couldn't have brought a Belthinos list, right? Because it was too early. Right. Miss uh, Miss legalness by like two days. Yeah. Well, I know I wouldn't have taken a shooty army, which I've done. I've done the I've done the Sylvanus shooty thing, and it was fun. It was cool. Uh, if I'm going to Worlds. And this is tough, too, because I, I have some knowledge now that I didn't have before. I have some experience with units I would not have played before that now I would play. So mm-hmm. I think I might take some Rev Seekers for the recursion. And I might take maybe even a unit of three swords and three sides or something like that. Because um, both of those individually are still pretty damn punchy, right? And then if you can bring those models back. And the other thing that I think I would do is I am just so high on that true Lord ancient with the (laughs) throne of vines thing. Yeah, man. I mean, that solves the problem of not being an oaken brow anymore, you know, where you don't, you're, you're literally not bracketing because you're healing so quickly and it makes them a really cool piece. So I think I would make those kind of changes with Belthanos, almost not quite the list I had already. I might make a couple of adjustments, but that's probably what I would take. Okay. Yep. Okay. As you can imagine, during the event, there wasn't a lot of time to do things around, but <sighs> we got in early enough on Wednesday where we went around and saw some stuff. So we went to the World of Coke. <laughs> That'd be really uh, cool. <laughs> yep. The Atlanta Aquarium, which had a, a whale shark in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredibly. This, that exhibit was awesome. That tank huge. must have been just massive. God, it, it was a it was a fourth of the building. Yeah, and yeah. they had these they had these huge rays, and so like there was like a tunnel portion where you'd go in and you're like this. <laughs> this must be like twenty feet from tip to tip. Manta ray, you know, floats over the top, and you're like, uh, oh my god, that's so that's neat. the biggest thing I've ever seen, you know, yeah. underwater. And then the shadow of the whale shark, you know, uh-huh. comes out from. You're like. <laughs> Wow. It's alive. <laughs> that is really uh, cool. So we had that. And then we didn't make it to the College Football Hall of Fame, but that's next to it. So, Dan, of those three, which one would you go to? You the, can only go to one. The aquarium one. The aquarium? Okay. I can remember the first time I went to the Shed Aquarium in Chicago when I moved there years ago. And I had not been in an aquarium for years. And I was just so, th- I just spent hours and hours and I couldn't leave. I would go back and look at stuff. And yeah. just it's such a neat, neat experience to see sea life like that and aquatic life too. You know, they had the penguins and the whole thing. But yeah, I it it just fascinates me to see yeah. those. So I that definitely would have been 
where I would have headed. So my last question, previewing our next show, what are you most excited for the Flesh Eater Courts review? <laughs> bats. <laughs> bat riders. Bats. Bat riders, bats yeah. and bat riders. And, and I think also, I mean, is in terms of units, I think also I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, this is, isn't this just about the oldest book now? It, it is the old. It's the, yeah. it is the only non-third edition book. Okay. Right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing, as we have in, in more recent books, how they move this book into current Sigmar. Mm-hmm. How they make it applicable and how it fits into the, the world. You know? So that's the other thing I'm looking for is, is the rural interactions and the finding out the real context of how everything works together rather than individual parts and pieces and saying, oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, but there's like four other things that can affect that. Yeah. And it's really neat to know what those things are because those are all part of the army. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking forward to, I think. Okay. Well, that's it. Those are, those are my five. Okay, bud. Show close time. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. I have no Sunday announcements because in it's this Saturday. part of the world, it's, it's not Sunday yet. Do you have any Q&A? Yep. I, I asked, you know, our the Pants Mafia Discord... I said, hey, anybody got any questions for me? And our friend, Travis Giffen. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Travis loved answering, asking questions. The, <laughs> yeah, what is, the, what is the best meal that either of you had at your last tournaments? You know, so, or, well, the last event. So RockCon for you and Worlds for me. And so I've had a chance to think about it. So for me, the best meal that we had was that hole-in-the-wall Chinese place. Yes. It was great. The... The chicken was really crispy. The rice was sticky. The the sauce was just the right kind of spicy, where it's spicy for flavor. You know, it's it's not just like, oh wow, this is really hot, and like there's there's nothing to it other than it's just hot. Um, the dumplings we had were really good. It was just it was just such a great meal after a really long day. Okay, all right, that's that's reasonable. What was your what was your rock con meal? Well, you know, this is the thing. There's no place to really eat close. And we had breakfast on Sunday morning, but it was like at a Denny's or something. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's, that's fine. But, and I wished I could tell you, uh, Travis, what this, it's like a quick trip down there, but it, they're also up here. But they had the most amazing pizza. Casey's. Like, Casey's, that, that's it, yeah. So I went to Casey's because it's like two minutes away from the Tabala Center where RockCon is and got these two most amazing pieces of pizza and just sat in the car, you know, and <laughs> ate, ate my ate pizza. gas station pizza. It was really good. <laughs> so small things, right? But that was it for me. I Yeah, no fancy meals at RockCon, uh, which is... Oh, only fancy meals in Atlanta. Yeah, that's so wonderful that you had all those neat options. I have no questions. So episode 135, which we're going to try to get done before Christmas. It will be our Christmas show. And we are going to, hopefully, we'll both have books in our hands or the materials we need. We are going to review the new Flesh Eater Court's Court of Delusion uh, battle tome. And very excited for... For this, some really cool stuff, it looks like. Some really unique mechanics and fun stuff for 
the uh, the cannibals. So, oh no, no, I'm sorry for the knights for the for the amazing yeah, the, the regal knights errant and the kings and queens of the court. Uh, yeah, sure, okay, whatever you say. I'm, I'm so thrilled to talk about Ushran. Yeah, the, the lump of plastic, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's better than, you know, what the game used to be, where that would be a solid piece of pewter and you, That's could, true. you could commit crimes with it. Or or this huge 20-pound piece of resin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to that very much. And that'll be our next show coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll try to get in before Christmas. And I think that's it, my friend. All right. Thank you, as always. Glad you had a, a good time. At Worlds, really thrilled for you that you got to be able to go and yeah, yeah, very cool experience. And that's that's what matters for these kind of things. Okay, and listeners, as always, thanks for coming along. Thanks for feedback, input, uh, just being here and sticking with us and enjoying the craziness that we do. And with that, you all take care. You stay safe, and don't forget shenanigans though, because life is better when you are up to something. Bye. This is 